I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Michael Brown, co-founder of City Year, an organization focused on addressing the national dropout crisis, where one million American students drop out of high school every year. City Year's almost 3,000 core members serve as tutors, mentors, and role models in America's most challenging public schools. Prior to starting City Year in 1988, Michael clerked for then-judge, now-Justice Stephen Breyer. Welcome. Thanks, Jessica. It's great to be here. Could you tell me the experience of a City Year Corps member? So a City Year Corps member is uh, on average around 22 years old, gets up probably at the crack of dawn, some cases 5, 5.30 in the morning, often before the sun, and they head into the urban communities around the country, and they, they, they go into some of the highest need schools, and as a team, they stand outside of the schoolhouse steps, and they clap and cheer for every student as they walk into the building, giving them high fives. And then they go into the school and they serve all day as tutors, mentors, and role models, helping kids who are probably, many of them, destined not to graduate, to graduate by helping them get back on track. Now, I've read somewhere that there are about 13,500 high schools in the United States, and 12% of them yield 50% of the dropouts. Is City Year focusing on those specific uh, high schools in that, in that 12%? Exactly. Yes, this is a breakthrough study that Johns Hopkins University uh, put together, and it did find that about a million students drop out in America. Uh, the study further found that you can identify who's likely to drop out by these early warning indicators, high absences, poor behaviors, or getting an F in math or English. So what we do is we go into the high schools that have the worst dropout records, as well as the elementary and middle schools that feed into them. Mm. So we're in these students' lives in a multi-year continuum of care from grades three through nine. Can you provide a concrete example or two of the experience of one of the children being impacted? Yeah, so this is a, this is a student who, even the teachers had said, no one's been able to get through to this, this, this student. She's incredibly disruptive. It turns out that the core member found out that this student's mother was being deported. Now, if you can imagine trying to come to school every single day and being said, these are your lessons. These are the things you're supposed to do. This is the way you're supposed to deport yourself, all these other things. But no one had yet learned what was really happening in her life, that her mother's being deported. And she had put up all these walls around her. Mm-hmm. But the core member has that time Mm-hmm. and that capability to be there. And as the student pushes her away, she just keeps saying, I'm still here for you. Mm-hmm. And eventually what happens time and again is the student realizes you're not going to go away. You really are here for me. And she opened up to that student, and that student succeeded and blossomed. City year now looks a lot different from the city year that you started in 1988. Can you describe what your initial intention was? So initially, we decided we really wanted to show that national service could really help all nonprofit initiative. Whatever it is that you, were, that you were doing in your nonprofit, you could do more of it if you had dedicated young people to help and join you. Mm-hmm. So we basically offered these idealistic young people to all the nonprofits in the community. Ranging from? Ranging from building community gardens, say, in the morning, to helping senior citizens in the afternoon, to running after-school programs, really the full range of nonprofit initiatives in the food banks, And then the exciting thing is that AmeriCorps got started, and there were many organizations that we're now developing. We certainly no longer needed to be doing all different kinds of work. And we found that our unique asset of these idealistic young people could have its highest use if we put them into the highest-need schools. 
You have a powerful partnership network uh, at City Year, ranging from Timberland to IBM and JetBlue. Timberland, for example, supplied all the boots uh, for your initial core members uh, and now continue to supply the shoes. It just seems like you've had a charmed life a little bit since inception with these partnerships. Is is that the case? So when we started City Year, we sat down on this um, new computer. It was called a Macintosh computer. Mm-hmm. We fancied ourselves as social entrepreneurs, um, and we were inspired by, you know, at the time, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were starting a computer business out of their garage. And we said, what if we sat at my parents' dining room table in Belmont, Massachusetts, and hammered out this idea? And we had this document that said, please support this program called City Year. Would you give us our first grant? And we ran around. We get meetings with companies and, and philanthropic leaders, and the interesting thing is, in the beginning, almost nobody said no, but nobody said yes. They would all ask, who's already supporting you? And so what we ended up doing, we sent out applications to say, be part of our pilot program for City Year, frankly, even before we had all the money. So what we ended up doing is we got these wonderful applications, and we asked questions on, what are the three biggest problems facing society? Why do you want to serve? We were offering, at the time, $60 a week. So what we ended up doing is we photocopied the applications. We brought them into meetings. And after we talked about what we were doing, we said, well, you just spend a couple minutes reading these. Mm -hmm. And literally, the idealism of the young people would jump off the page. And I'm convinced that's why we got our first resources. The very first company to do that was then called Bank of Boston. Now it's Bank of America. Bain & Company, the consulting firm, Mm -hmm. was also there on day one. We have uh, Comcast, CSX, the freight train company, Microsoft, Cisco. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Michael Brown, co-founder of City Year, an organization focused on improving the graduation rate in struggling public schools. City Year provides targeted intervention by focusing on improving attendance, tutoring, mentoring, and running after school programs. I want to talk about uh, your personal history. You have had a commitment to service uh, seemingly since very early on. Even in college, you took a year off and worked for uh, Representative Leon Panetta, the Democrat from California. How did that happen? Well, the very first day I got to college, I went to Harvard University, and the president of the university was then Derek Bach. He welcomed all the freshmen together in the same room, and he said, I want to welcome you to Harvard and ask you to please go away. That was his opening line. And what he meant by that was, you don't have to just go through four years. You can go and do something different, come back with a different perspective, perhaps with a passion. And I did that. I spent a year working on Capitol Hill after my sophomore year for then-representative Leon Panetta. And Leon had legislation about an idea I had never heard of called voluntary national service. So he introduced me to this concept. And his legislation would have created a commission to go around the country and study the idea and come back to Congress with legislation for perhaps a big program one day. What did your parents do? My parent, my father was a real estate attorney in Boston for 50 years. Um, my mom was at home raising us. Um, You're one of five? I'm one of five. Um, I often say that um, I, got some, I got my values uh, from my parents. Um, it was a, a Jewish home. My, my father used to love uh, Bible stories, and you know, we used to talk about things. I mean, wh- one of the times I remember he said, um, um, it says in the Talmud that um, if you're walking through the desert and there's, and there's one, two people and there's only enough water for one, and that one person has it, is there an obligation to share it? Mm. And I'm like, Dad, I'm only five years old. <laughs> mm. But we used to have conversations like that. I realize, and it matters what you talk to your children about. 
And my mom kept a home of Jewish ritual. And so somewhere between the rituals and these other kinds of things, I think that had a big impact on me. At the same time, I grew up at a time when we were racing for the moon. There was always something happening, something big. And then when you add the 1960s to it and all of the idealism of, of the 60s, I think when you combine all that, by the time I had heard about this idea of national service, it sort of was the institutionalization of the idealism that I felt inside of me, that I felt could be brought out of every young person if we simply called on them institutionally to give a year of service. Your co-founder, Alan uh, Casey, whom you went to college with and you were roommates with, uh, you know, starting freshman year, what was his um, inclination towards service? He worked for um, Gary Hart during the presidential campaign in 1984. So uh, Alan Casey and I were literally assigned to be roommates together first day of freshman year at Harvard. And City Aurelia, we can thank the Harvard freshman dean's office, which was responsible for putting roommates together. And anyone that knew Alan in high school before I even met him and anyone that's met him since knows that he's an extraordinarily idealistic person. And so I was immediately attracted to that idealism. And we started conversations freshman year, like, like a lot of people have in their dorm room, and as we began to talk about it, we talked about this idea of national service. You had a meeting with uh, President Clinton, who at the time was a candidate for president in 1992. And you gave him the seed of the idea for America, AmeriCorps. Can you describe that encounter? How did it happen? So it was, uh, <clears throat> it was December of 1991 during the presidential selection process of 92. It was just a couple months before the New Hampshire primary. So Governor Bill Clinton and other Democratic candidates were hanging around New Hampshire and Massachusetts. And we got a call and said, he's been asked about national service. You have this program. Can he come and visit you? So he came and he spent the better part of a couple hours. At the end of that conversation, one of the young people in our program literally took the sweatshirt off his back that said Sidier on it and gave it to him and said, Governor, please don't forget us. And that was in December of 1991. Now, fast forward to November of 1992, 11 months later, we certainly hadn't seen Bill Clinton. But in the meantime, he'd been elected president of the United States and he was now president elect. And it was the day after Thanksgiving. So he's three weeks into being president elect. CNN is covering his every move. He's out there jogging. And guess what? He's jogging in the city or sweatshirt that Stephen, our core member, had given to him 11 months before. Well, I'm at home and I'm reaching for the phone to call Alan Casey, my partner in all this. The phone's ringing. Well, I'm watching. Well, I'm reaching for it. And I know it's Alan. I say, you watching this? He said, yeah, yeah. We all said this changes everything because President Clinton stopped and he was asked, President-elect Clinton, what, what will be your priorities as president? And he said, the national debt, health care, the economy. Still sound familiar. And he said, and national service will be my fourth priority. And he's wearing the city or sweatshirt. Mm. And we realized that he was very serious about starting this. And we, we worked with his administration on this AmeriCorps concept. And we realized that the power of the presidency to put these ideas mm. forward is, is incredible. Today, AmeriCorps is the federal investment in national service. It funds many programs. And we're one of those programs uh, that... Uh, that is sponsored by it. Uh, and um, we're very grateful to Bill Clinton for getting it started and for supporting us all these years. In 2003, uh, you, f you helped to form the Save AmeriCorps Coalition, uh, where you spent more than 100 hours testifying in front of Congress because they were about to cut funding uh, of AmeriCorps in, in half. 
Can you talk about that experience? Sure. So uh, it was almost a perfect storm of things. One thing that had happened after um, September 11th is so many people wanted to do AmeriCorps that there were so many grants out there and people serving that they had to actually pull the grants back from the next year. So we don't have enough. So what we did is we got together with other organizations that had utilized AmeriCorps funds, and we all came together and we formed the Save AmeriCorps Coalition. And within about 100 days, we had 44 governors that had signed a letter for emergency funding, 83 senators, and we held essentially a round-the-clock citizens' hearing on Capitol Hill. They gave us rooms, and we had people come in from all the country, and it was literally for 100 hours. It was four straight days, Mm -hmm. including at 2 and 3 in the morning, young people who had served, organizations that had benefited, parents of these young people, they testified. I think it made a huge difference. Mm. We got a lot of the funding back that year, and the next year, we got the highest funding ever. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Michael Brown, co-founder of City Year, an organization focused on improving the graduation rate in struggling public schools. You have affiliates in Johannesburg and London. How did that come to be? So the one in uh, in Johannesburg, we had an opportunity to meet with uh, President Clinton right after he left office. And we said to him that we wanted to start an international fellowship in his name called the Clinton Democracy Fellowship to invite people from all over the world to see what U.S. programs are doing and to learn from what service programs are happening around the world. It would go in both directions. And we were going to go try to raise money for it and get it started. And he said, great, let's go do that together. And then two months later, we got a phone call. He had called the chair of our board, Eli Siegel at the time, who had worked with him to build AmeriCorps. And he said, I just got a call from Nelson Mandela. He wants me to speak in South Africa about how to build civil society. And he said, I want to bring those Cityer folks and show them about Cityer and AmeriCorps, about how they could engage young people in service. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, from that one meeting, within two months, we were on an airplane with Bill Clinton, and we went to South Africa for an extraordinary experience with him and Nelson Mandela. And we were there, there to share our experience and to learn from theirs. But from that, people in South Africa said, would you start a Cityer program? And if you could have told me back when um, we were all struggling with apartheid, back when I was in college and all, was our number one issue, that we'd be able to work in a free uh, and uh, just South Africa with Nelson Mandela having gone from prisoner to president. Mm -hmm. Of course we were going to say yes to all of that, even though it was 10,000 miles away. If you don't talk to them by 10 in the morning, it's too late. Uh, But it was a a labor of love to build City or South Africa. Going back uh, to the beginning, I've read somewhere when you were starting City Year, you said it was a little bit like running off to join the circus. Why did you say that? Well, here I had gone to, I'd gone to these amazing institutions, and I love the law, and I easily uh, could have gone down that path. I was on a law review. I really thought I could see that path, but I had this sort of other pull And yet everybody would understand. It's easy to sort of explain to your grandmother that you'd go from Harvard Law School into a top firm. And I had these wonderful offers as well. So the idea of saying no to all that, and I'm going to go just no job, no money, and just simply bang away at this new Macintosh computer and try to fund this national service program. No one really talked then about social entrepreneurship. So it was a little bit of explaining to people that there was even a career path in going off and doing something like that. But luckily, you had a, a, a safety net under the, the, the tightrope walking life that you were about to, to, to pursue because you could always go back to clerk for uh, Judge Breyer. 
So. No, exactly. It was just that I was doing something that just seemed so different from all of that experience. What do you remember most distinctly about working with Justice Stephen Breyer? I had an extraordinary experience working with Justice Breyer. He's completely, he's brilliant. You know, most judges I found at the time, you know, their clerks would sort of help to write uh, the opinions. And, you know, we would do that. We would give him our drafts of things. And then he would say, thank you very much. And he would take the citations. But he would rewrite everything because he could cut through anything. And he would love to come back and talk to us as clerks about these ideas of the law. When when I said I wanted to start Sidier, he was incredibly supportive. And he's come out to do everything I've ever asked of him. And my favorite one was when he came and he, he swore in our core because we have a pledge that we take. And he said beautifully, he said, my job is to write about the Constitution. He said to these young people, but you're living it and making it come alive. Mm-hmm. And it speaks volumes about what kind of person he is. You live in Boston, and your wife is a pediatrician. Uh, she treats HIV uh, patients. That's right. And you have three children. Do you teach them the Talmud, and do you raise them in a, a, in a Jewish home? So uh, we're a, a mixed religious family, um, and we raise them both with uh, uh, Jewish and Catholic values. As you mentioned, my wife is a pediatrician, and she's my hero. She treats children with AIDS. She's kept children alive into their adulthood. What's her name? Charlotte, Dr. Charlotte Mao. How did you meet Charlotte? We met at college. We were both mm-hmm. uh, at Career House at, at, at Harvard College, and we spent a summer tutoring uh, uh, for um, the Harvard Summer School um, and fell in love. Were you married when you started City Year? I was. I got married in 1991, so three years into, uh, into City Year. And she is, she's my rock. And uh, at, at home, we have a saying, um, uh, mom's always right. Uh, and she is. Um, she has the most extraordinary judgment uh, and character. And in that sense, she's been an incredible backbone uh, for City Year. Do you ever have anything negative to say? Oh, I don't know. I suppose I can get frustrated like anybody else. But I, I do, um, I'm surrounded every day in what I would call a culture of idealism which is not naivete. And at City Year, we talk about snuffing out cynicism because it's just the enemy of positive good. So I take idealism seriously and as, a, as an art and a practice. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Jessica. It's my pleasure. My guest has been Michael Brown, co-founder of City Year. If you'd like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org or follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook, I'm Jessica Harris, and this is From Scratch.